home and digging holes as well. Yes, she's digging holes. Yes, get it right. Okay, Andrea Doug with us. Okay, <laughs> and also I uh, appreciate uh, the men that helped us uh, dig the trench for an age-old problem uh, to cure this this leaking in the sanctuary after heavy rains and a very special thank you to Tommy for spearheading this and coming up with a plan that's going to fix this issue and those have been sucking water out of the floor for years can you say amen amen and uh, Rod wanted me to give a special uh, shout out to the youth we had a great ice cream social last night and uh, thank God for the uh, for the gallons of ice cream that Andrew brought and Lance and Gwen brought. And uh, uh, thank you, youth, for, for participating. Amen? Been a busy, busy week. Now, this afternoon at 2 o'clock, there'll be visitation for Darling Scarth's family uh, out at Lynch Funeral Home, 34 South, and her service will be at 3. And so those of you that would like that information, uh, we will see you there. Let's go uh, to Isaiah, the 40th chapter. I want to begin reading in the 28th verse. 28th verse. Father, we come before you today, not leaning on our strength, but upon the strength that is given to us by the power of your Spirit. And Lord, I ask today, Lord God, even for the, the Scarth family, that you would comfort them and the friends, O oh Lord, and the family, Lord God, her church family, that, Lord, saw her home going. I just pray, Father, that you would comfort each and every one knowing that Darlene is with you and that, Lord, she has made her eternal, eternal reward in your presence. And, Lord, I ask today that, Lord, that the very power of your Spirit, Lord, may speak not only to us but through us. Let us hear what the Spirit says to the church in this hour. I pray for the anointing. I trust in you, Lord God. You are faithful. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Isaiah, the 40th chapter, I want to begin reading here in the 28th verse. Have you not known, have you not heard, the everlasting God, the Lord, the creators of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary? His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak. If you need some power and you're weak today. He gives power to the weak and to those who have no might, he increaseth strength even the youths shall faint and be weary and the young men shall utterly fall but those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength they shall mount up with wings like eagles they shall run and not be weary they shall walk and they shall not faint amen now, as, as we approach this, I want, us to, I want us to see the waiting that we're talking about today. Now, understandably, that there is a waiting for the fulfillment of promises that in your life. Some of you are just one step away from that miraculous thing you've been looking for, longing for, and hoping for. I believe that today. If you need that word, receive it. There was a waiting that, that Abraham, 25 years before the fulfillment of the promise of his son, there was a wait, David waited 22 years from the time that he was anointed until he became king over all Israel. Joseph waited 22 years to the time of the dream, to the fulfillment, and Moses waited 40 years before he stepped into that arena. Many of you have been waiting on the fulfillment of promises. 
And I believe as we wait upon God, we trust in the character of the one in whom we're waiting upon. But here, I want you to see that this waiting, the definition of that word wait, again, there in Isaiah, it means to bind together. It means to bind together. It's not sitting in a waiting room waiting on the doctor to come. It's not waiting on the, uh, the sales rep to come. It's not waiting on, on, on when, you, when you call for an Uber ride and sitting at the corner waiting on your Uber ride to come. Amen? It, it's a waiting as you, it, it's a binding together with the Lord. A binding together with the Lord. When you wait upon the Lord, you're just you're saying, Lord, I'm waiting on you. David did not go into battle until the Lord said, wait until you see the marching on the tops of the trees. When you see the wind begin to blow, that's when you attack. And so he waited to bind together with the strength of God. Now that word weary there, something that we may be familiar with, it means to gasp. It means to be exalted, exhausted, tired, filled with toil and labor. Anybody like to run? Anybody like to go out and go running? Oh, I can't run near as far as I used to. Used to run, yeah, used to. I just, uh, I, I would run uh, the two mile and the mile event when I was in high or junior high. Didn't do it in high school. But I would run, and I could run and run and run. I can't run so far anymore. I gasp. I get exhausted very quickly. So here we see that that word, that word weary there, that sometimes we, we, we find identity more in that than we do in the strength. In fact, the proverb says, if you faint in the day of adversity, your strength was small. If you faint in the day of adversity, your strength was small. Now, the, another translation says, if you fail under pressure, your strength is too small. Ouch. It gets worse than that. Another translation. If you fall to pieces in a crisis, there wasn't much to you in the first place. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm afraid to say that, that I've held that identity in times past. Just fall to pieces in the midst of crisis. But I have discovered when I trust in a down low power, that's where I end up. But if I trust in an on high power, then things begin to change. And what Andrew was trying to communicate to you, it's not you, it's the anointing in you. It's the power in you. It's the mighty one that lives inside of you that you will begin to discover there is strength beyond your strength. In this passage of Scripture, it's the unwearied God giving strength to the wearied man. The unwearied God giving strength to the wearied man. It is also the wearied man being lifted up to the level of the unwearied God and participating in his likeness. So as we look at this, what we see, and I want you to know this, I want you to hear this, I want you to receive this. Hast thou not known? 
When the prophet says that, what he is saying to you is the Lord wants to give you not the information, but the revelation that there is something for you. Hast thou not heard? God doesn't speak to me. That's a lie from the devil. Let me tell you, the Holy Spirit right now is wanting to bring revelation and communication to you if you are brave enough to hear it and to receive it. So as we look to the Word of God, I want you to see as we talked about last week, we looked at the one strength, and I applied it to three different applications. Soaring strength, enduring strength, and also sustaining strength. And the Lord corrected me on that. It's not three different applications. It is three different aspects of the same strength. Three different aspects of the same strength. Now we started with the sorting strength, and we likened that as the word of the Lord says, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. That soaring strength. And what we discover there is that that soaring strength is a positioning strength. That soaring strength is what we find in Jesus Christ and, and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So the Lord lifts us up to that position in Christ. And when we begin to discover that we are seated with Christ, one point that was made after the service last Sunday, I picked up on a note. As we talked about, as I made the statement, asked the question, where does the eagle get its wings? He receives them at birth. And when we come into the kingdom of God, we receive wings. But see, we don't earn our wings like the pilots that we refer to in the Air Force. Any, any Air Force vets in here? Yeah. yeah. One's got a birthday today. We'll give your spanking afterwards. So. We may need some help. It's, We'll do 71 plus one to grow on, 72. It, it may take a little while. <laughs> but, happy birthday, Lee. But what we see is that a, the Air Force pilot, he earns his wing, but a, an eagle who is born an eagle, an eaglet, they, they are hatched. They, they don't earn their wings. They learn their wings. Come on, that's better than what you're responding See, when we come into the kingdom of God, we don't earn anything. We have to learn who we are in Jesus Christ. And as we begin to learn what Christ has done, not only with us and for us, but in us, we'll begin to discover what he can do through us. Because we don't earn anything. We just got to learn who we are in Jesus Christ. And you are born of the Lord, and so you have been given some wings at birth. And that, that mother eagle knows full well that that eaglet's just going to get fat and sassy and sit up there in that nest for the rest of their life until they are pushed out of the nest. 
Oh, I want to soar, Lord. I want to soar. The only way to soar, folks, is to get out of the nest. I'm glad you're amening me. So the next time you feel like you're falling, I just want you to spread your wings and begin to fly again, okay? Would you feel like you're failing and everything around you is crumbling to pieces and it seems like the ground is getting closer than you want it to be? That's when you say, Lord, I'm waiting on you. I'm binding together with God. Lord, I don't know if I can do this, but by faith, by faith, I'm going to stretch out and begin to fly. Soaring strength. Now, I'm going to talk to you today about enduring strength. Enduring strength. I want you to take your Bibles with me and go to first, first Kings, the 18th chapter. First Kings, the 18th chapter. Now, as we look at this, we see the soaring strength, and now we're going to the enduring strength. Now, Jeremiah 12 and 5. Jeremiah brings a complaint before the Lord. I know you've never done this, but Jeremiah did. He's getting a little bit beat up and wore out. I don't know, maybe he's just getting tired of eating when he's having to eat and staying where he had to stay and being in the prison and being stuck in that prison over and over again. And he comes to the Lord and, you know, it's like, Lord, these, these are your people. are just wearing me down to nothing. And so he goes to God with a complaint and the Lord picks him up and pets him. You poor baby. You poor sweet thing. I'm so sorry the world is such a bad place. Just, that's what we want, don't we? <laughs> Bless his heart. I know exactly where you're coming from, brother. Just, just wanting that, Lord, can you just take care of everybody else and I'll be okay. You and me, just let's, let's handle this together. Let me give you some ideas. No, he doesn't do that. But what he does is he draws him back to a strength beyond his strength. And he says, if you have run with the footmen and they have wearied you, then how can you contend with horses? Goodness. That sounds a little bit unjust, doesn't it? You're tired because you're running with those with the same strength, but that's not what I've called you to do. I've called you to run with the horsemen. You're running along with, with those stride for stride, and they're, they're wearing you down. But there's, I didn't call you just to run with the footmen. I've called you to run with the horses. That, doesn't, that almost doesn't sound very fair, does it? But see, the Lord never gives a command or a demand that he doesn't supply the strength to do that. So if he says, you can not only run with the footmen and not be tired and not be weary because they that bind together with God, the Bible says they will run and not gasp. They will run and not be weary. They will run and not be exhausted. They will be able to not be overcome by the tool and the labor. But how can you do that? Glad you ask. Because it doesn't come from you. It comes from him who lives on the inside of you. 
Without him, you can do nothing. Without him, I can do nothing. But through him, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. In other words, he that endues me with his power, I can now do what I need to do. Now, will I physically run with the chariots and with the horsemen? Likely not. But the Lord is trying to give you and I a deeper understanding of this passage of Scripture, even stronger than that which is physical, and that is knowing that we can run the race that God has set before us. There's a strength. They that wait upon the Lord. Before you go to 1 Kings, I'm going to read to you out of Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded with such a great cloud of witness, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily entangles us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us looking unto Jesus the author and the finisher of our faith for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame has set down at the right hand of the throne of God See, the race that we're talking about is life. The, the Christian life, as we, Paul says, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my, my race. I have kept the faith. Folks, whenever we, my prayer is that, God, I can hold to that testimony. Lord, I fought a good fight. I have finished the race. And I have kept the faith. Amen? We're going to be celebrating the homegoing of a lady who did just that in just a little while. Darlene kept the faith. She finished the race. She fought a good fight. She served the Lord in her generation. But folks, as we look at this, we see that first off, when we soar, what we're saying is that God is lifting up us, lifting us up to an elevation higher than ourselves, to give us a perspective that we otherwise couldn't get. But we are seated with Christ Jesus at the right hand of the Father. And so in that position, we understand we have the strength that God has given us because he finished the race for us. He finished in, that, in the beginning and in the inception because he has won the war. There's no battle that we need to be afraid of when we face it. Amen. Let me say that again. When he, knowing that he has won the war, it, we understand that there is no battle we face. We don't have the confidence to know that he has taken care of it already. So as we look here to the Word of God, what we see is that race that is set before us, that there is an enduring strength. Now, as you look at 1 Kings, the 18th chapter, what you will discover is the prophet Elijah. And Elijah shows up on the scene and he calls for a drought by the command of God. He calls for a drought because the Lord told him it's not going to rain. And so he shows up and he tells the king, he said, the Lord's going to get your attention. There'll be no rain until the Lord says there'll be rain. Now, you would think that a drought would cause people to their attention to turn back to God. 
didn't work. For three and a half years, not a single drop fell out of the sky. And I venture to guess, as we get deeper into the story, there probably wasn't even any cover of clouds in the sky. No moisture fell. We had a little drought here in Texas not too long back, a few years back. In fact, uh, uh, just before we came here, we've been here eight years, just before that, there was a drought. We were out in Archer City, and we were begging the sky to let something drop. Everything was drying up. Everything was, all of the ponds were drying up. Uh, all of the, 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 the grass was withering. The trees were dying. It was, you know, you were here. You were in the midst of that. The little lake over here had dried up. But you know what the farmers did? They knew in the time of drought, you go and you dig your ponds a little deeper. You get ready for the, for, the, for the rain when it comes. What does the church need to do? We need to dig a little deeper, amen, and get ready for the outflow of the Holy Spirit. But in Elijah's day, they were there, and there was no moisture in the air. There's nothing falling from the sky. People did not turn from their idolatry. Famine had hit the land. You would think in the time that we're living now that it would capture people's attention and they would start to turn back to the Lord. Some have, and we thank God for that. But as far as what we are looking for as the church and what we believe the Lord is going to do in these last days, I don't believe we've even scratched the surface of the power of the Spirit of God sweeping through each and every nation. Amen? But I still stand and believe if there is a virus that can touch every home in every nation, I believe that it is not impossible for the God in whom we serve to touch every home in every nation. I believe God is going to have the final say in all of this. But we see here Elijah. As Elijah is there, Three and a half years, he comes out of, out of hiding, steps on the scene, says, go tell Ahab to meet me on Mount Carmel. We're, 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 about, to, uh, we're about to gather together. So they come in, in, the, in the designated location, and as they are sitting there in the region, in the area, and now he says, and he issues a challenge to those uh, Baal worshipers. You can read it for yourself in 1 Kings 18. Says every want these these Baal worshippers to get out there and we're, they're going to put a sacrifice on an altar. I'm going to put a sacrifice on the altar, and the God who answers by fire, He will be God. What? Sounds like a good challenge. What we need to know is it was a death challenge because only one person was walking away that day. The Baal worshipers and the worshipers of Asheroth, it was a death challenge. Because whoever won not only would, would declare that their God was God, but the ones who stood out there and, and challenged Jehovah God would not stand after that day. So Elijah is there and he builds the altar, one stone for every tribe of every nation, and he sets it in there. And as he sets the, the stones in place, he makes the sacrifice. And as he makes the sacrifice, he needs to prove in the, the entire uh, area, all generations, to know that this wasn't trickery. In the time of famine, he goes. In the time of drought, he goes. And they get water after he digs a trench around the altar. And he 
takes this precious commodity, this water that hasn't fallen from the sky, but it is flowing in a river somewhere or in a well that hadn't dried up. And now he says to take the water and pour it on the sacrifice. What does this have to do with waiting? Just hold on. Just wait, okay? They do it not once, not twice, but they do it three times. So that sacrifice is saturated. That the sacrifice, the saturation of that sacrifice, he calls out unto God and said, Lord, you know I've done this according to your will. And as he begins to pray, and at the end of that prayer, fire falls down. And it hits that sacrifice, and it, it devours the sacrifice. It, it melts the stones, and it licks up the waters that is in the trench. Amazingly enough, that was done at the very precise time that Israel should have been offering the evening sacrifice. See, for millennials, the Israelites would offer, according to the Mosaic law, they would offer a sacrifice in the morning and in the evening. A morning and in the evening. At 9 a.m. and at 3 p.m. 9 a.m. and at 3 p.m. Because God did not want them to miss out on what was going to take place with the ultimate sacrifice. Because Jesus Christ, according to Mark's gospel, was nailed on the cross at the time of the morning sacrifice. And he gave up his spirit at the time of the evening sacrifice. And then the fire fell on that altar. What does the Holy Spirit do? The Holy Spirit illuminates the completed work of Christ. He illuminates the completed work of Christ. They shall run and not be weary. Elijah goes up on the top of the mount. He tells Ahab ahead of time, he said, you better get your chariot ready and head to Jezreel because I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. He didn't see the rain, but in the spirit, he could hear the rain. He tells his servant, he said, I want you to go look out on the sea. Tell me what you see over the sea. He did it one time. He said, I don't see anything. He said, go again. He went again. He did this seven times. And on the seventh time, he said, I see a, it looks like a size of a man's hand, a cloud coming up out of the sea. He said, let's get down. We got to make a run for it. And the Bible declares to us in 1 Kings 18 and 46, Then the hand of the Lord came upon Elijah. He girded up his loins and ran ahead of Elijah to the entrance of Jezreel. Now, what do you believe the significance of that? He was waiting upon the Lord. And in that waiting, he was binding together. And Jeremiah came to the Lord and said, Oh, Lord, I'm wore out. I'm torn up. I can't go any further. He said, I didn't call you to run with the footman. I've called you to run with the horseman. Where am I going to get the strength that need be happen for me in order so that I can run with those horsemen? Let me tell you, folks, there is a strength beyond your strength in Jesus Christ that comes from the completed work at Calvary. And he got up and began to run, enduring 
endurance, if you will. He ran from Mount Carmel to Jezreel. That was 25 miles. 25 miles. At chariot pace. Because the Bible says he outran Ahab. Maybe you don't need this quite as bad as I do today. Let me tell you, folks. They that bind together with the Lord, your strength will be renewed. You're going to mount up because you understand that I have been elevated at the position and the place of Jesus Christ. Because if Jesus is in the right hand of the Father, then I am at the right hand of the Father. I am complete in Him. I bear his image because he created me as thus. And now what we understand is we need strength in order to accomplish the task that is before us. And I don't know about you, but I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. Amen? Now I'm going to do everything in my physical man to stay in shape. I actually started running last week. Oh, Lord Jesus. That's quite a chore. I get exhausted in a hurry. Used to be able to run miles. Now I can run feet. <laughs> and my prayer is, Lord, don't let my heart explode in my chest. <laughs> and I walk a little bit and I run some more. <laughs> I like to do it early in the morning where nobody can see me. But then I got this little watch here, and I want to make sure my chest doesn't blow up, so I, I stop every now and then and check my pulse rate. Okay, 400 pulse rate, that's not too bad. And then I take off running a little bit more. I don't know why I'm telling you all this. But see... When you're young, you can run forever. And you never slow down. You don't even think about needing strength because you already you got all the strength you think you need. But your youth is going to run out. And you're going to look in the mirror, young people, and you're going to see this. You're going to go from a dark hair to a white hair to no hair. And you're going to say, wow, I get here. Got hair when I don't want hair. I didn't come out with hair on my ears, but if I don't shave it, I look like Wolfman. You know what I'm saying? Things happen. Take care of yourself. You're going to live longer than what you think if the Lord delays. <laughs> Hear me? Start eating right now. Start doing right now. Just a little throw out there. Every time you start to exercise and diet, you throw judgment on everybody else. You ever notice that? Maybe it's just me. Okay. But eventually your strength is going to run out. I remember as this passage became so real to me, at a time in my life where I buried my very best friend who I grew up with. We were old, I mean the oldest friend. We were thick as thieves. And he, I couldn't as much as I, I tried and tried and tried to compel him to, to come into relationship with God. He just wouldn't. He refused. 
And then I got word that he had uh, died as he was driving drunk one night, killed himself and one other person. Well, they didn't want a traditional funeral. They wanted just to have the funeral in front of the front of the house and while the family and things just do a, like a little committal service or just to, to honor him. My heart was so broke and I was so grieved and I just just felt like I just felt like I was in pieces that day. Andrew was there and she was sitting right beside me. You had to get up on this porch and just give this eulogy and just sermon to a bunch of folks that are sitting out there that obviously were not serving God. And up until the very moment that I walked up there to address this crowd that was sitting out there, I said, Lord, I don't have any strength to do this. Please, please help me. And I want you to know it was like a switch that just was flipped on the inside of me. Because I waited upon the Lord, and the Lord, I, I, he bound me together with his strength. And all of a sudden, I could do what I couldn't do before. And I stood up, and I addressed that crowd, and I could feel the grace of God flowing to those people that were receiving and I can't tell you the number of times that I've had to draw upon that strength. I've had to say, Lord, I need your strength. I don't know what to say in this moment. I don't know what to do in this moment. I don't know how, Lord God, to get the energy. Andrew was talking about uh, how that during COVID, how we were walking in faith. And, and back in January, she and I both got COVID. She said, are you going to preach this Sunday? I said, uh, yeah, I guess I'm going to. But up until the very moment before I even walked into the church, I was just laid out on the couch, even in the, even in the moments before. Ugh. 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 She said, are you going to go? Are you going to get up? I said, well, Lord, help me. Now, I will tell you, with COVID, I have been sicker. I just wasn't sick as long. It just lingers on and on and on and on. It's a devil from hell. Just pray against it and pray through the Holy Spirit. But I had to muster myself up to, to get ready, to get dressed, to walk in here, to, to stand. You know how uninspiring it is to preach to an empty room? Michael was giving me all he had, and Andrea was too on the front row. And you go back and look at the tapes. I was standing right here looking at the screen. In faith. But in that moment, the Lord energized my spirit long enough to deliver a message, not one Sunday, but two. And I walked off the, I walked off the pulpit and went back to my couch, and that's where I was. She thought, well, you can preach. You can remodel the bathroom. <laughs> not the best idea in the world. Not that, but I did it. So I got up, and don't, if you come to my house, you go to the master bath, don't look at the tile work very closely, okay? I've got it camouflaged in a few areas. I tell her, I said, I'm getting a little lightheaded. It's all right, you can take a break. And then you get back at it. <laughs> but we got it done. Dennis painted his house in the midst of COVID. 
Why? Because you can do more than what you think you can do with the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you will bind together with his strength. But I assure you, if you don't challenge the, the strength of God against your weakness, you may never, ever do anything. Amen? Lord, I can't preach. That's all right. I, Lord, I don't have anything to say. It's okay, my son. I've got plenty to say. I just need an empty vessel to pour through. Are you hearing me? Lord, I can't heal anybody. I didn't call you to heal anybody. I called you to lay hands upon the sick, and I will flow through you in order that they may be healed. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. I'm feeling better all the time. Amen? The theme yesterday was hole digging. Hole digging. We dug more holes. Guys, my line, I'm dying. I asked Guy if he was sore. He said, no, you don't get sore being straw boss. I need that position next time. <laughs> Guy dug, and I don't imagine too many others that are younger than us are too sore, but I was sore. But see, I left here and digging holes and I had some holes at the house to dig. Hmm? You're in the vein. You get a hole digging spirit come on you. You guys got to keep going with it. So I don't know how many holes we dug yesterday. And then I went home after we left here and I dug some more holes. And some of you looked me in the eye and by faith you said this morning, Preacher, you look good. <laughs> no. <laughs> exactly. No, I don't. <laughs> I'm tired. <laughs> Is it okay to be honest? Amen. Just so you know that, you know, I'm not, nothing's going on. I will tell you that there's a church in the Metroplex that sent me an offer. They're looking for nursery workers. <laughs> I, for, for real, I got this offer from a, a big church in Dallas. They needed nursery workers. I was thinking, man, COVID is really taking its toll. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Some of you are thinking, get that man a pillow, let him lay down, take a nap. He's lost his mind. But I, can I finish up with one of the thought that we started with last week? You know I'm going to do it, whether you say yes or no anyway. I just thought I'd include you on the conversation. If you overlay this passage with the understanding of strength being the joy of the Lord, it changes everything. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their joy. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. There's nothing that energizes us more than the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord. In his presence is fullness of joy. And in his right hand are pleasures forevermore. The joy of the Lord. I shared this Wednesday, and I am closing. 
That passage I read to you in Hebrews. Let's read it again. Hebrews 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded with such a great cloud of witness, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily entangles us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus. I love this. The one that authored our faith and the one that finishes our faith. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, has sat down at the right hand of the Father. For the joy that was set before him he endured all the suffering, all the suffering of the cross. He endured the whipping posts, crown of thorns, being stripped naked, carrying that wooden cross up Calvary, being nailed upon that cross. All of the suffering and that pain was fueled or superseded by the joy of what he was after. You are that joy. Because without that sacrifice, you and I would not have any hope of eternity. If he would have called it off in the midst, and he could have in a moment, he could have said, stop, it is enough. We don't understand those six hours he hung there, how grueling it must have been. He didn't, he didn't hang upon the cross as God. He hung upon the cross as a human. The human sacrifice for you and I. And what fueled him was the joy. And you are his joy. He did all of that. So when we talk about living in a place of, of low living and sight walking and we do those things thinking that God doesn't care and he doesn't love us and he doesn't care for us, that is blasphemy from the enemy's camp. That is not the God that we serve. The Lord Jesus for the joy for you he endured so that we could have salvation and relationship with him. Now his joy fuels us and gives us an endurance that we can do more than we ever thought we could do. We can be more than we ever thought we could be. And we can go further than we ever thought we could go. But the joy of the Lord is our strength. And they that wait, they that wait upon the Lord. I don't know about you, but I, want to, I don't want to fall to pieces because there's not much substance of the Lord in here. But if I trust in me, if I trust in my strength and my ability, very likely I'm not going to make it very far. But if I trust in the Lord, he can cause things to happen that otherwise wouldn't happen. They that wait. What I'm saying to you today is this. Yes, there are promises that will be fulfilled in your life. But as the worship team makes their way up here right now, let me say to you, to those who are hidden here today, if you're in this place today and you found yourself 
filled with all measure of labor, tool. You're literally exhausted in your spirit and in your heart. And you're saying, man, I need some strength today. I want you to come to this altar and lift your hands and say, Lord, I bind together with you. I bind together with you. Waiting is binding together with God. Lord, I bind together with you. And I draw on that unseen resource of the unwearied God giving strength to the wearied man and the unwearied God lifting us, elevating us into a position and a place beyond our station, beyond our ability, giving us the enduring strength, Lord God, that we can run that 25 miles, not only with endurance, but with chariot speed. Lord, I'm asking in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ today that you would strengthen those that are in this house, those that are weary, those that need hope and need joy and need peace. Today, I believe the Lord's going to touch you. The Lord just whispered something to me in prayer this morning earlier. He said, I'm going to heal in this house today. I'm going to heal in this house today. If you've got a physical need, a relational need, an emotional need, I want you to come to this altar. If you need strength right now, come on, come on, come on. Come on, right now. Father, we thank you, Lord, this morning. Merciful.